Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered. Before we kick into the next episode, I just wanted to come on and say thank you so much to everyone who um, has listened to the podcast since I launched it in April. The Irish Podcast Awards took place on Tuesday night, uh, which was the 21st of November. Solo Powered was nominated in the Best New Podcast category, which I'm so proud of. Um, It's a labour of love. It's something I do um, by myself, on the side, and to be recognised and nominated in such incredible company at the awards um, was absolutely amazing. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win. We lost out to a news talk produced podcast with Sean Defoe, um, which is fantastic and many congratulations to him. But I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who wished me luck, um, who commented on uh, my posts across social media um, and to everyone who, who have uh, tuned in and listened and um, to all my incredible guests who I've had on the podcast who have given freely of their time um, over the last few months. I'm incredibly grateful. Um, I'm so honoured to have been nominated and um, massive congratulations to everybody who was at the awards the other night it was a fantastic evening to be a part of and to see the incredible creativity that's coming out of this country in the audio space i got to meet lots of lovely fellow podcasters such as uh Mairead ronan and jenny kelly and the guys from the talking bollocks podcast and the guys from the stall it podcast and i got to meet gary fox from the entrepreneur experiment and i also met Dr. Coda, who I was up against um, in the uh, in the best new podcast category as well as lots of other lovely people, um, it was a beautiful uh, celebration of um, creativity and storytelling and something that we are um, all so good at here in Ireland. So um, so yeah, so just wanted to come on and say that, and who knows, maybe next year we'll be back there again. Um, also, before we kick into the next episode, uh, again, just to thank the sponsor, Seafield House Hotel and Spa Resort, offering their fabulous flying solo packages, just €168 Euro for an overnight stay, bed and breakfast in a deluxe room, three-course evening meal in their beautiful restaurant, and access to the Thermal Street Suite in their award-winning Oshio Spa. Um, it's in Ballymoney in County Wexford. It's a fantastic hotel. If you haven't been down there, you've got to check it out. I was there a few years ago on a girly break with my friends. We went to the fabulous spa. It's in the most beautiful surroundings. It's not far from Dublin. You know, it's only like an hour and 20 minutes um, if you are based in Dublin. What an amazing opportunity to go down and spend some time by yourself, relax, rejuvenate and experience what it's like to do something on your own. Um, As I said, there is a competition attached to this as well. We've only had a few entries so far. So if you are one of my many listeners who listen to this episode, please enter the competition. You could be in with a chance of winning. All you have to do is tag me in a a picture with hashtag solo powered of you doing something, whether it's having a coffee on your own, going for a walk, maybe you've booked a solo weekend away. Maybe you have your own business and you are, you know, sending out packages, whatever it is. Just tag me in a picture and put your hat hat in the ring to win um, an overnight stay in the amazing um, Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort. And um, yeah, I'd love to 
love to have a few more entries uh, this is the last week of the competition so it's your last chance to enter so please uh, please get entering and um, yeah thanks so much I really hope you enjoy the next episode it's uh, it's very uh, full of fun and inspiration so um, I'm gonna let you enjoy it and just once again thank you so so much Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. Well, this is probably going to be a bit of a giggly episode, I'm not going to lie. I have a fantastic guest with me this week, the fabulous fashionista, wonderful beauty, Maeve Barry, my (laughs) ex-work colleague from Irish Country Magazine. We were the two bowl girls at the back of the commercial floor laughing and uh, joking for most of our time in the office. Um, Maeve left the company a few years ago and set up one of my favorite jewelry brands. Anyone who follows me on Instagram in the last few years will have seen me wearing an array of Eve Ray earrings which are just fabulously designed and created by Maeve. She also has her own PR company Maeve Barry Communications and I'm so excited to have her to talk about her solopreneur journey that she's been on over the last few years as well as throughout her career working um, in freelance but most importantly I am so excited to hear about her fabulous jewellery brand and how um, she plans on I'm sure expanding it into the future. So Maeve you are so welcome onto the podcast oh my god what an introduction that's amazing <laughs> you make me sound fantastic <laughs> you are fantastic I'm gonna carry you around in my handbag from now on every time I need a little pep talk I'm so excited to be on the podcast mm. I it's my first podcast mm. so um yeah so it's very both daunting and exciting for somebody who's a massive chatterbox I am a chatterbox in like select groups like my friends my family the idea of other strangers listening into this conversation petrifies me so I'm just going to pretend it's me and you out for dinner having a chat absolutely and that is exactly all that this is this is a lovely chat between friends but ultimately I am sure that this chat will inspire other people out there who are on their own solo journey and are thinking about creative ways in which they can kind of work for themselves or just kind of launch something into the into the atmosphere which you have done so successfully so talk to us I suppose I kind of talked a little bit briefly about your career but just maybe talk to us a little bit about your kind of your your career today and how you kind of got into the the fashion world it's such you know I've had Kathy O'Connor stylist on and I've had um a few different people on talking about how they kind of accidentally kind of found them found their way into their jobs or found their way into their career um but also you know fashion and you know jewelry and design and all of that kind of stuff it's such it's such it's such the the career of dreams you know it's the career that you see in like you know um devil wears prada and you know growing up every girl wants to work for a magazine or wants to work in the world of fashion and and you've done that so so how did that happen how did tell people where you're from down in beautiful the kingdom of County Kerry and how you came to 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 be where you are today 
down in the kingdom, the beautiful kingdom. I'm from just outside Tralee near Banastrand, the beautiful Banastrand, uh, a place called Kilmoyley. I, I always say Tralee because nobody knows where Kilmoyley is and I went to school in Tralee. So like, I mean, I suppose when I was younger, like I wasn't, I wouldn't look back and go, I was mad into fashion. I would definitely say I was mad into jewellery. Like I was making jewellery when I was a teenager. I was wearing, I remember my rings. I used to wear rings on every finger in school and they were constantly getting confiscated off me. And when I looked, I didn't think about it at the time, but when you look back now, looking back now, doing what I'm doing today, it's like, God, it was always there. And I think for a lot of us, um, these things um, that were always there when we were younger, we tend to abandon them as we get older, because when we get older, we get into our 20s, we go to college, we're having fun, we're traveling. Then you're in your 30s, you're building a career. And I suppose back in the 90s in Kerry, my idea of a jeweler was like somebody living up a mountain hammering gold, you know what I mean? Or a silversmith, you know what I mean? It was like, it was just not a career I thought about. So I remember being a teenager and like making jewellery with clay and being all into accessories and stuff like that. As regards fashion, I don't think, you know, we all went through the terrible 90s fashion, but I never wore anything bold or outlandish because I was kind of quite self-conscious. And I remember my mom buying me a red shirt and I was like, oh, my God, I can't wear that. It's red. And like she laughs now at the things that I come out in. I mean, they're outrageous. Oh I mean, you've, you've seen some of my outfits. They're I like have. I bonkers, have. completely <laughs> bonkers. My mom is like laughing, going, you wouldn't wear the red shirt when you were 13 and look at what you're wearing today. But uh, yeah, so I suppose. I was always interested in jewellery and things like that and then uh, studied graphic design in college so I kept that creative element up then did a postgrad in PR um, before that I lived in New York for, for four years before I, I did the postgrad in PR came back did that and then kind of just I think I think I kind of I always was into fashion magazines I got very into fashion magazines I was living in New York you're just surrounded by um, style and you know um, advertising I guess as well in a way in that city and I got into buying my Vogue every week and all that kind of thing I, I remember bringing back a suitcase full of Vogue magazines from me when I moved home I was like I still have a lot of them today and um, then I thought okay PR and working in that for a while I was working in that agency and I'd always had the dream of working in women's magazines but I thought where do I fit into that I'm not a journalist I'm not an editor how do I get into it? And then uh, the opportunity came to get in as true events and PR to be an events and communications manager for, for magazines. And I went in that way. That was the door that I went in. Now, it was definitely not smooth sailing. I will say that I got my dream job uh, in a magazine that ended up being I will say a nightmare. It just did not work out. It was not the right fit. It was it was it wasn't good for me. And uh for a little bit, for a little while, that turned me off the, the magazine industry. But eventually I ended up in for four years in Irish Country Magazine with you guys and had the most amazing time, the most amazing four years. Loved that magazine, loved the culture in the office, loved the events we did. We built the Irish Maid Awards, which are on next week, which I'm very excited about. Um, so, you know, I, I eventually found my foot in that industry, but I suppose um, it had always been a dream, as I say, to get into magazines. I, I finally got in there. Uh, as I say, the first the first one, you could say was a bit of a failure. It didn't work for me, uh, but I, I got up, I dusted myself off and I, I decided to keep going and stay in it. And I'm glad I did. And I guess then from that, from going from graphic design, PR, 
um, magazines and then back to PR, um, there was always this creative element throughout. I was always surrounded by creativity in the magazine industry and surrounded by fashion and surrounded by cool brands and great people. So um, eventually it got me to a place where I went back to being a teenager and making earrings again. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I love how it all kind of comes for a circle. But totally. you, know, you, you talked about there about... Um, about that kind of the, the job that didn't work out. And I think it's such a common, you know, tale within the world of the magazines. So many people who I know, because I've worked in the publishing industry for so long, and many, many, many of my friends all have that story of there was that one job that was a disaster. There was that one job, that, as you said, that was a failure. There was that one job that was like a nightmare because the world of fashion, the world of magazines, it, it can be quite cutthroat. It can be quite bitchy. You know, it can, it does sometimes have that the devil wears Prada pipe kind of trope that kind of runs through it. And, sure. you know, you really do need to kind of find, you know, your footing in that place. But I think the reason why, why in the magazine world with any, all of my friends that have, when you when you hear about that story, it is used with the word disaster, nightmare, because different from, say, if you worked in a bank or if you worked like in any other job, it was like, oh, it was a job that didn't work out, whatever. But in this world, it's like it's bigger than that because there's such yes. dream jobs, because there's such coveted roles, because, you know, you work really hard. And some people work for free for, for, for a long time just to kind of mm. get their foot in the door, you know, mm-hmm. and it can have such a big effect on people's confidences. I know a lot of people's confidences have been shattered from those kinds of experience. And how do you kind of pick yourself back up from, from that, me? Uh, mine was completely. I mean, after my first, I, I think I had one one experience was really bad. The second wasn't great either. Um, and then third time is charm when I when I got into Irish Country Magazine. And I remember when I was approached about the Irish Country Magazine job, um, it was Jen Stevens, and Jen knew about my disaster with the other magazines, or you know, my not disaster. One of them wasn't a disaster. I mean, just kind of you know a tricky situation or not not loving it. And she was like, look. I know you might be scared off. I know you might not want to come back into magazines again, but this is different. And she's like, the culture is different. The place is different. Everything's different. And she was right. And I'm so glad I listened to her. Mm. And I went for that job and I got it. And I was, as I say, there for four years. But I think that you... I, I was the, the, for the first one, especially with the first one, because it was the dream job. I couldn't believe I got it. I was like, here's this woman from Kerry who's come up to Dublin and like with no experience in magazines and no experience in fashion. And I got this job and I was absolutely delighted with myself. And when it doesn't, doesn't work out, you think you're the failure and you think, you know, you're the problem. But I suppose looking back now, 10 years later, with kinder eyes, I'm kind of like, Do you know what? that just wasn't for me and I'm okay that it wasn't for me and because I don't want to be like that yeah. that you know what I mean I I sometimes look back on it and I go when you're in a situation where you're going into a dream job or what you think is a dream job you want them to like you mm-hmm. and you don't ask questions back and what I my advice to younger people would be ask questions back like they're asking you the questions in interviews and you're so trying to impress them to get this gig what you should ask back is like, what's your office culture like? What's the uh, work-life balance like? What are the teams like? And is there a mix of men and women in the office? You know, it's questions that we should be asking about the culture of uh, of an uh, an industry or the culture of a company, Mm. which I think now, obviously 10 years later, we've come on in leaps and bounds on that. But back then, as you say, those jobs were like so coveted every 
girl wanted to get in there and you were so dying to get in and so dying to impress you you bent yourself backwards Mm. to impress people when really looking back on it now there was things that went on in those offices that I was like this is not me I I don't want to if if you have to be really tough to for this to work I don't want to be really tough I'd I'd rather be a little bit sensitive and be like well that's not very nice you know what I mean I'd rather like keep my sensitive kind empathetic side and be like well I don't think that's appropriate whereas there's other people in the office being like you know, you're not, not strong enough. Hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm like, no, this is this is really just inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's very it's funny because like I like I say, I you know, I've I've worked in, in that industry all over uh, you know, in big, big companies, and you can see like I worked on Fleet Street in London and some of the yeah. newspapers, and like I mean, that is like talk about inappropriate. I mean, it's just horrendous the way people are just sort of like thrown in, and you know, you really kind of it's such a busy, fast-paced environment that people are thrown into the deep end, and they're just expected to to pick up whatever is thrown at them and run as fast as they can. And like that, don't ask questions if you don't know something, like figure it out. There's like very little help from anyone around because they were all in the same boat and it is this whole kind of like sink or swim kind of thing you know mm-hmm. um, but you're right Irish Country Magazine has not been like that it has been a completely different environment and we recently had an intern in there and I remember her the first issue she uh she had her first name in print you know she said she had an article in print and I remember going over and like giving her a big hug and congratulating her because we, when you're in the industry as long as we are we forget what a monumental like thing that that is for a young person to kind of see their name in print and to be in that environment and it is it is it is it is great and it's it is a lovely industry to be in but it isn't easy and it's definitely comes with its its trials and tribulations and its highs and lows um so your lows were not were your lows but your highs were your highs with irish country you mentioned the irish maid awards which are on next week very excited yourself and the fabulous clara heron who's going to come on the podcast um in a few weeks as well um kind of collaborated on creating this beautiful awards that celebrate the Irish made industry and next week Maeve you are nominated yourself in the jewellery category for your brand Ivray um which is just amazing isn't it to go from four years ago working on the event to now being a nominee a deserved nominee I've I've organized the event for the last three, four, four years have yeah. we been have we had the actual ceremony? And to go from organizing it um to be sitting there on Thursday as a nominee is just wild. It's like again, it's like a full circle moment, I guess. And um I suppose I, I kind of I part of me wanted to retire my event management um hat. Uh, last year and I remember talking to Clara about it and I was like okay I'm getting a bit old for these big events like they're exhausting you know the drill I mean they're they you're wiped out it's like you've been to a music festival or something for three days in a field you're absolutely wiped out for two weeks after you run an event and I was like I think I'm getting a little bit old for that and uh, I decided I wanted to maybe step back from the events and then also I was like if, if I run it I can't enter it because I remember you guys last year were like Maeve why don't you enter and I was like I can't I mean conflict of interest so obviously to enter to step back away from it and not be organizing it which is also a little bit sad because it's been my baby for the last few years and I'll I'll be there on Thursday looking around you know with my with my event manager hat on going oh I'm not I'm not organizing it I'm not in control but 
to be able to now sit there and be nominated, especially having grown the event, having grown the brand, having worked with you guys, it's just wild. Like it's wild. And I, when I got the nomination, when I found out I was nominated, there was completely that imposter syndrome where I was like, what? Like what is, what's going on here? It's like, I think when you're in something and you're doing it, you almost forget that it's successful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I forget that like my my jewelry is in the National Gallery. There are days I'm like I just completely forget that that's that's happened. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and then someone says it to me. They're like, oh, I was in the gallery the other day. I saw your jewelry, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> that's happening. Amen. So it's, um, yeah, look, it's wild, and I'm so excited. I can't believe it to be honest. It is wild. I mean, and it's, I, I get the same with this podcast, for example, you know, like you, we were chatting and you were like, yeah, no, I've listened. Cause I was like, and I have these people and these people, you're like, yeah, no, like I've listened to them. I, and I'm like, oh, you have? Oh, thanks. You know, like, I mean, when people say to me, oh, I, I love your podcast or I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh, okay. But, you know, great. I mean, I know, I know lots of people listen to it, but it, it still always surprises me that I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you. You know, um, but yeah, so take so, so you're you know you we we kind of skipped ahead there to the success of Eve Ray, but take us back to I suppose setting up on the store and 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 then you know how Eve Ray came about. Yeah, so um, again, and I just want to go back for a second as well and just talk about that failure thing because I think that's something that's really important. You know, when I talk about jobs that didn't work out and you see them at the time as a failure, I think it's. Um, I just don't think, I think we're definitely changing our attitude to that. I don't see them now as a failure. I think that, okay, that wasn't the right fit. Uh, that didn't work out and it gets you to where you are today and I know that's so cliche it's like oh every bad experience is a learning curve but you do look back on these things and go god I learned so much from that and I have if I hadn't done gone there if I hadn't worked in that magazine if I hadn't met those people I wouldn't have been in the position I'm in now and I suppose um and it also builds up resilience which I think is something that you know, we talk about a lot with younger people, them not having as much resilience. I don't know whether it's being brave or being stupid, but I definitely think I have like an insane amount of resilience. I never take failure as I'm not going to do the next thing. I always do the next thing. And as I say, whether that's brave or stupid, I don't know. But I always go, okay, yeah, I'm going to start this business or, oh, yeah, I'm going to go for that job. And even though that job killed me, I'm going to go for this other one. And it's just, um, and even though that business didn't work out or or that event didn't work out, I'm going to do the next event or it's I've never um I've never had a problem with taking risks yes exactly yeah Yeah. risks and I just feel like if you're not whether it be in career or whether it be in relationships I kind of feel like if you're not taking a risk like you're just existing yeah you know what I mean you're not you're not trying for the next experience yeah so um I suppose then with Blonde the store I just to say on that I like I I teach coaching as you know I was teaching my diploma students yesterday the first day of a new diploma course um with Mindstream for anyone who's interested but um so yeah like one of the things that I teach um on that first day of the module is that we actually I I ask the students to think about a past experience that they were once believed to be negative which turned out to be positive and so everybody has to sit down and kind of think about that and the stories that come out from them are just hugely inspiring you know I got really sick I got diagnosed with the, you know a cancer or you know I, I was bullied in a job and it was horrendous or I, I had a relationship that ended and I was devastated and then 
comes this like golden sunshine of like positivity from every single one of them where you think that oh, wow that's just a disastrous situation to be in and then they go but then this happened this happened this happened and that led me to today and it was actually turned out to be the most wonderful thing that ever happened so it's a it's a really lovely kind of way about looking at life because what I was saying to them is that when you have a coaching client who's going to be sitting in front of you sometimes they're going to be sitting there having come from disaster or being in a situation which they feel stuck or they feel unhappy or they've lost their job and to be able to kind of say like let's sit for a second and think about a bad situation that turned positive and could this situation that's currently bad be also be something that could be the best thing that ever happened to you and it just transforms everything it just Mm -hmm. takes away all of that veil of negativity around it and I totally agree with you I think any any bad situation builds absolutely brilliant resilience and risk taking Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. Which you've done wonderfully with the risk yeah. risk taking. So yeah, so take us to Blonde Storm. Yeah, and it and it also allows you to figure out what you don't want. You you I definitely think. more more so figuring out what you do want. You figure out what you do not want yeah. when, you, when you go through those situations. But so Blonde Store kind of just came about as a hobby, and I I think I still kind of look at Blonde Store in that same way. Uh, it's blondestore.com just in case people think they're like what's this blonde store they're talking about so this is the website that I set up a few years ago just as a kind of a passion project a side project a hobby because I was always getting asked about where I buy my jewelry I was always getting asked about where I I pick up accessories and different things and I was like okay I'm going to try and source these and sell them to people so I sourced um, stock and I got onto brands a few different brands around Europe that I really liked and I got their stock and I set up blondestore.com and I started selling my wares to people and it started as a hobby and for me it kind of still is a bit of a hobby because I don't um and from that then I suppose I should explain that having set up on the store and running that for a few years and selling other people's jewelry that made me go hang on a second why am I not starting my own jewelry brand why I have all these ideas I have this creativity if I'm selling this woman who lives in Germany if I'm selling her earrings in Ireland why can't I create and 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 make my own so that was where Ivory Designs then came from came from running the website dealing with brands and getting the idea that I could do this too so Ivory I guess Ivory Designs came out of on the store and for me blonde the store is still a bit of a hobby because I probably don't give it as much time as I should I mean I have my PR business and that's my day job that's my bread and butter and then Ivory Designs has grown quite quite a lot in the last 12 months in particular so I focus on the two of them and then blonde the store is still kind of my my hobby and it tips away and it's busy it's slow in the summer and it's busy for Christmas and I'm okay with that and I think that's another I suppose part of talking about success and failure and all these things, success can look like whatever you want it to look like. You know, for me, Blonde the Store doesn't have to be, you know, screaming and shouting and hitting sales and targets all the time. For me, Blonde the Store can have its busy periods at Christmas, its quiet periods in the summer and tip away. And I'm happy with that because it's a, it's a, it's a labor of love and it's a passion project and it's something I get to work on that I enjoy. And it's a bit of a hobby and I'm very lucky to be in a position to do that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, for anyone that's listening to this and trying to kind of visualize what we're talking about, Maeve is a big fan of Roshi Murphy from Maloko or whatever. Okay. So we're talking here bold colors, bold uh, jewelry. You know, um, I, I'm wearing currently 
her 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 gold ones and I was we were laughing before we came on one of the girls in the magazine messaged me during the week to ask which color Eve Ray earrings that I have because she wanted to buy her own pair for the awards and she didn't want to um, have the same pair that I have and I said well you might just want to pick whatever color you like because I have them in gold and green and blue and red <laughs> and pink and um, I, what I love about them, so you, you'll, you'll explain to us a little bit more about there. They're made of perfect, perspex plastic, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. These are yeah. the e Designs earrings. Yeah, e <laughs> So they're cut, they're cut out in various different, they're inspired by various different artists, well, which Maeve will tell us about now as well. Um, but they're, they're, they're big and they're brash and they're bold. You do have to have a confidence, I would say, to wear these earrings. But what they do do for me is they, like, I am a person who wears black a lot. Um, and what they do is they just, you put them on and they transform what can be a plain black outfit into something fabulous because of the the way that the earrings are sort of used as a as a, as a great accessory I suppose they become the outfit that you that you have on and what I love about that and what I love about the Irish Made Awards as well is that we have so many wonderful Irish creators on this island that you you put like for me these are my designer earrings you know what I mean they're like you they're fully accessible um affordable piece of clothing essentially that you can put on and feel like you're in designer wear feel like that you're in something original and unique and when you go out and when I go out I get complimented all the time I actually think I need to start getting some commission from Eve because, from from Maeve because the amount of bloody oh, earrings. Yeah, that people are like, oh my god, your earrings are amazing. Where'd you get them? I'm like, I know, I need to start handing out your card when I um when oh, I. Oh, there's some freebies coming your way this week, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm telling you, it's it's amazing the amount of compliments that the earrings get. Like it, they really do attract uh, people's eyes, right? And so, yeah. um, and so it's it's yeah, I'm I'm a massive fan. But like as you say, you know, and there are people in the Irish Made Awards jewelry category who are literally up in a cabin in the woods with the silver loom or with the with the <laughs> with you know banging on gold and and silver. Those. Yeah those jewelers still exist and they're there and they and they are craft people and they're fantastic but yeah. there's such um, uh, a creativity and a market for these types of, of earrings you know yeah. for doing something a bit differently um so so tell us about that and that kind of like how it all kind of came about how you got inspired to create these fabulous earrings that I'm a quiet you're modeling so beautifully you're you're one of my best <laughs> models I have to say every time I meet you you're wearing a different pair or and like you've worn them on the six o'clock show you yes. wore them you've worn them everywhere you're like literally my my own little PR person out there uh out there um working away for me like a little beaver <laughs> I definitely freebies coming your way for sure <laughs> I know that you've had me on your podcast I mean come on but, um yeah I suppose that's it. It, it's it's the idea that you can if you want to I suppose not that if you want to become something, there's there's lots of different ways. I mean, obviously for certain things, there's not. There's a straightforward line. But I suppose for me with jewellery design, I didn't see how I could be a jeweller because I wasn't a goldsmith or a silversmith or doing working with that material. So when I found the mirror perspex and found a way to work with laser cutting and started doing designs and experimenting, and I was making the earrings for about two, three years before I ever launched. Wow. I was very, very shy about launching it, um, which is a, another story to, to like you know be working in PR but not be able to PR your own stuff you know that, that I'm terrible for that but um I was making jewelry for myself 
And I was like, oh, is it good enough? Is it not? Will I do it? Won't I do it? And then I just decided, feck it, look, I'm just going to launch it. And as you say, when you find different materials and you find different ways to do things, and now I've started working with clay again, and I, I launched a, um, a collection during the summer, and the, a lot of the pieces are made with clay. So it's it's finding it's finding your way to become what you want to become. And now I'm like, oh, I am a jewelry designer. Oh, I am a jeweler. I am creating something. Fair enough. I'm not working with silver or gold yet. That might come down the line, but um, and I hope it does. But I, I have found uh, what I want to do, and and the perspex stuff just. I mean, when I first found it, it screamed at me and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And I can create all these shapes and all these wild things. And as you say, Roisin Murphy, a massive inspiration for me. And and as you say, also, they're not for the faint hearted. I mean, you can't be I wouldn't say they're for wallflowers, these these um, the Ivory style. But um, so the, the, my first collection is based on Joan Moreau, the artist, the Spanish artist. So all the earrings and all the pieces, the rings are named after his paintings mm-hmm. so I, I I went to I've been to a few exhibitions and I've been to John Moreau's house and or where his studio was and um, so I uh, you know I took elements and shapes from different artworks and sculpture that he did and paintings that he did and and I took the shapes and I created the earrings and that's why they're all named after different John Moreau. Mm, amazing and they have such lovely names like the snob the princess like what the princess yeah, yeah and you're wearing the guard in 1925 yeah I mean his his work's incredible and bonkers which is why I like it which and some people would say and I have been told my earrings are bonkers uh, I remember meeting two women at Gifted in the RDS last year and this woman just repeated about 50 times they're mad oh my god they're mad I mean they're just mad and I was like I get it they're mad and her sister felt so bad that she kept saying it that they bought earrings from me and I don't think either of the two of them would actually wear the earrings but I think they felt so bad that they just kept calling them mad that they were like oh my god we have to buy something off this world (laughs) I was like yeah I get it I get it yeah I do sometimes think that myself when I'm wearing them because I just love them and I like I say they, they just jazz up an outfit and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes I do think when I'm out wearing them, do do people look at me and go, "She's mad," you know? <laughs> like, look, let's wear those big mad earrings on. You, you like a hundred percent. People are like, I mean, well, I I'm sure I get told that on like a weekly basis. She's mad. I'm like, grand. I'll, I'll take that. Who cares? I I'm the, I think I'm the good mad, not the like other mad. Uh, and I'm fine with that because, you know, this other thing as well is like at Gifted in the RDS, I, I've I found this because that's one of the events I do. Um, I've done over the last few years at Christmas. I don't do a lot of markets, but I've done that because I have a relationship with the team at Gifted. And one thing I will say is the amount of women that come up and say, oh, my God, I love your earrings, but I could never wear them. Mm-hmm. And it actually breaks my heart. I like get into this really passionate conversation then with the woman about why she thinks she can't wear the earrings. Mm. And I'm like, and I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to make a sale. I'm like, I don't care if you don't, if you don't buy them, but I just feel awful for you that you want to wear them and you won't. Mm. And she's like, oh, I wouldn't be brave enough. And I'm like, who said? Mm. Like, I just find it wild that people, the things people tell themselves, like you're limiting yourself so much that you're going to tell yourself you can't wear a pair of jazzy earrings. Yes. Come on. I know. You know what I mean? It makes me so sad. 
And you and I have had that conversation before. And I remember my sister who lives in Australia and she, I actually bought a pair of the earrings for her for her birthday. Um, but I remember being on the phone to her and to her, her saying, oh, the earrings that you were wearing and out on Saturday night, they were fab. And I said, oh my God, I'll, I'll buy you a pair. And she was like, oh God, no, I couldn't, I couldn't wear them, you know? And I was like, that's what my friend Maeve says. People say to her and actually, and I kind of like spilled to her the things that you had been saying to me. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, I'll buy them. But I think it is sometimes that people feel like that they do need to be wallflowers and they do need to blend in and they do need to go with the status quo and they don't want to stand out. And, you know, a lot of people, I see it all the time in all the different work that I do suffer so much with confidence issues, with self-esteem issues, with being sort of afraid to be to stand out clearly I don't have that problem because I'm like have them in every color <laughs> no wallflower who is she I don't know her <laughs> I mean, why well, what did you want to stand out? I don't understand um, but yeah like it is it is sad and I, I think it is I think what is lovely about this kind of jewelry is that even if you are a bit shy by putting it on it kind of gives you sort of like a superpower it makes you feel and that's what jewelry is or that's what jewelry and fashion and clothes fashion, yeah but how it makes you feel and how it kind of can help you you know I, another thing that I talk about when I'm on my teaching my coaching is confidence and I teach a confidence part and it's like what do you what's your strategy for when you want to feel more confident and for me a big part of it is you know doing my hair putting on my makeup wearing nice clothes you know having a power suit feeling feeling good about Mm -hmm. how I appear and then whatever it is that I'm doing whether it's doing a wedding or a presentation or something like that it's about you know preparation and knowing my stuff and being being ready for for <clears throat> for whatever it is that I'm doing um but so many people kind of like don't have those strategies they just give up at the first sort of hurdle they think I can't do that I'm unable to do that that's not me and as, as you say attaching those labels to themselves that limit them from being whoever they want to be in their lives yeah they, they tell themselves these things and it's as simple as um as you say a pair of earrings like oh, oh I can't wear them I'm like you have earlobes don't you of course you can wear them you know what I mean it's but it's this limiting belief that someone tells us I can fair enough there's a lot of things we can say to ourselves I can't do like I, I, for me, I can't do a bungee jump. A, because I don't want to. And B, I'm like, no, can't. Yeah. But like to tell yourself that you can't wear something that you think is beautiful, that you would love to wear, that just makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and you go back and you talk about the confidence thing. I mean, Ariana, you're like probably the most confident person I know, like 100%. I mean, I've never met anybody like you. You're like a superpower and you're like, I can do this. I will create this business. I will go here. I will speak at this event. You're amazing. And I would not consider myself as confident as you. Now, I've I've definitely gotten there. Getting into my 40s is like, I think, you know, what what is it? I'm not a huge Gwyneth Paltrow fan, but like, not that I'm, I'm not a fan. I just don't know much about her. But I did read an article where she said, you get a software update when you turn 40. Oh, yeah, I love it. And I was like, oh. That a hundred percent happened for me. Software update and anxiety went away, and like got more confident. But prior to forty, and in my twenties, teens, twenties, early thirties, I was not a very confident person at all. I was chatty. I would talk to the wall, but I was not internally in myself a very confident person. I didn't really stand up for myself. 
I, um, you know, never wanted to make a fuss if anything bad happened, which is probably why I struggled in some of those jobs. I didn't stand up for myself when I should have. So, you know, but the thing about it is I always wore what I wanted mm. and I always threw on the bling and I always threw on the red lipstick and maybe it's a form of armor. I don't know. But like that's one area I have never struggled with. And I find it mad when people say, oh, you have to have confidence to wear that. And I'm like, well, I didn't have confidence for years and I looked like a peacock going out the door. You know what I mean? It's just, it's weird. You can you can have confidence in one area and then none in another. Yeah, I know. And, but like, I think it is that whole idea of fake it till you make it as well, because like, I suppose looking at you and because of what you wear and how colourful that you are, you would, on first impression, think that this is a confident woman, you know, yeah. and... And not just on first impression, on all impression, but what I'm saying that you were having an internal dialogue that was the opposite of what the impression that you were giving out was, which was, you know, hugely confident and colorful and vibrant. And, you know, I've talked about on this podcast, you know, I've had different people on talking about different things. And I, I, I talk about my colorful, vibrant, fabulous friends, but you are part of that description, you know, and 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 my my friends in their 40s. I was out with my best friend last night and she turned 42 and she's fabulous. And she was like, I do not feel 42. I feel fitter, younger, you know, more 100%. myself than I've ever felt. And yeah. And I'm I'm and I feel the same, you know, it's it's great. It's it's lovely to be in your 40s, which which, you know, when I talk with the Kathy O'Connor and we talked about it on here, we talked about women unbranded and we talked about, you know, menopause and perimenopause. And I, I had recently my friend Steph recorded a podcast with her. She has a podcast called Life Begins at Menopause. Um, she had the Baraka gene, which she ended up having to get, you know, an early hysterectomy and all of that kind of thing. Um but it's it's so funny because we've talked about it, you know we those people the fabulous vibrant colorful amazing women that I am surrounded by aren't represented we're not seen we're not there on you know media or in advertising or anything like that um and I think it's because I suppose there is this kind of unconscious bias about women in their 40s being these dowdy depressed miserable <laughs> you know yeah. which just isn't the case anymore I, I don't know anyone like that in my in my friendship circle that are are, are are like that I think we are becoming much more confident in, in ourselves as we get older right would you agree yeah a hundred percent becoming more confident and I think maybe our generation as well because we're those 80s babies yeah. the 80s and 90s in Ireland you were like ah now pipe down like don't be don't be too loud and don't be too confident and don't be boasting about yourself mm. and so we grew up like that and now we're in our 40s and we're like completely going against that and turning that on its head and it's like right well I wasn't allowed to be shouting about myself and how brilliant I am when I was growing up because I grew up in 80s, 90s Ireland. So now we're in a different generation or we're in a different time. So I'm going to shout about how great I am. Now, I'm still getting there with that. I can still be a little bit shy about shouting about my businesses. I'm very good at talking about my clients. I, I can, I mean, PR wise, I can sell any of my clients brands and I'm like, you're amazing and you should be doing this and you should be talking into the camera and I will never do it myself. So I'm, I'm getting there, but I definitely think... Um, women in my 40s like you and like my other friends were definitely becoming more confident becoming a bit more vibrant louder and also like it's so bizarre last night I was watching a documentary on Netflix and um Princess Diana came up in the documentary and it was about Jill Dando and the two of them were like 37 and 38 I think when they when they died and 
but the image of what they were. I mean, they I mean, they looked like to me watching those documentaries last night, they looked like women in their late 40s. Yeah, Beautiful women, amazing women. But just my point is how women um, are represented and look and featured in the media back then in comparison to now. Mm. It's just unbelievable. Like these women, as I say, 37, 38, they look about 15 years older than the two of us do right now. And we're we're 42. Just, you know what I mean? It's like the Golden Girls. It's like the Golden Girls were probably 43. Like I know, absolutely. I know. And when I think about in school, we had a teacher, we used to call her Granny Mar because she was like this old teacher. And she was probably about 41. Like, I swear to God, when I look back now, because I think she's still alive and I graduated from school 25 years ago or something. I'm like, she was no more granny than, I don't even think she had kids God love her like what a poor poor woman like but <laughs> terrible <laughs> granny marks um yeah, like well, she I, turned 50 I mean I mean the coolest woman on the planet if you ask me who Roshi Murphy just oh, I know I know I know look it's... at her and look what she wears and look at her body and just yeah, the way yeah, she puts yeah. herself out there look at Debbie Harry like you know is Debbie Harry in her 70s now you know it's yeah. just yeah. it's just unbelievable and I just think that that's and again, that's a confidence thing, but that's something that I would love other women to to just say, you know what, I don't care if I'm 43, 45, 50, I'm going to wear the earrings, I'm going to wear the loud dress, because life's feckin' short. Absolutely. And you and I had a conversation a few years, a few years ago talking about sort of putting yourself out there. And we had a I, I sort of tried to give you a bit of a pep talk about that, Maeve, you know, putting my coaching hat on. And I was taught it's something that I talk about with a lot of my coaching clients is just to get out of your own way, because we can often stand in, in the way of success when we are embarrassed, when we don't want to maybe kind of like shout about it and and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, there are many successful businesses who are you know run and founded by men and women who who aren't out there who are quieter who who aren't necessarily the face of their brand but they recognize that they have a product that is of interest and you know that's not to say that you have to be out there and doing all of that kind of thing I think you should because I'm a you know friend of yours and I think you're fabulous but if that isn't something that you like then outsourcing that or figuring out a way of someone else to be the ambassador of your brand or you know you've done some incredible uh, campaigns with you know the older lady and, and you know a man and they're all look fabulous yeah. in, in your in your product which is just beautiful but you know for someone who who doesn't like shouting about her brand or you have made the brand be so visible in getting it into the various different places that you've gotten it into so talk to us about being in the national gallery like that's just incredible uh, yeah, I was approached by the National Gallery about, oh God, I'm in there just over a year now. And I was approached by um, Laura Lee, who was in there at the time, um, who she wanted new designers, but she wanted designers that weren't everywhere. And this and this goes back to like, again, creating success at your own pace and maybe going that little bit slowly. Like I have gone very slowly when it comes to Ivory Designs. And I remember when I launched Ivory Designs, there was a couple of other jewelers launched around the same time as me. And within a year they were everywhere and they were like very successful and they had like given up their full-time job to do this. And I was like, God, you know, I'm going really slowly. And now I'm like, thank God I went really slowly because I don't want my product everywhere. And I got approached by the National Gallery because I wasn't everywhere. I wasn't in every single Single shop, and um, they wanted they wanted an Irish design. They wanted female designers. They wanted something different, and they wanted something that kind of 
not exclusive to them because I am in other shops around Ireland, but a little bit of exclusivity around it that it's not going to be in every other gallery shop. So when I was approached about that, I was literally floored and we had an amazing launch party um, with me and Kiki and Margaret O'Connor and we three of us launched in there at the same time and uh, yeah it was just the fact that I'm in there and now I grew from having a tiny space in my first year to like now a year later I have a huge section in the in the shop and apparently the tourists love Ivory Designs which is means they're going around the world which is brilliant and mm. um, so yeah, to, to do that, I suppose, um, to be able to do that and to be able to do all these things without having to have my face talking into the camera all the time for me has been amazing because that's just not me. As much and all as I as I said to you at the beginning of this podcast, I'm a complete chatterbox and I love to talk. And here we are chatting away in this podcast, being on a podcast public speaking, talking into the camera on Instagram, that doesn't come naturally to me. I'm a chatterbox in my with my select group of people, with my friends and my family and the people I like. But I putting myself out there in social media, it's just not really my thing. So to be able to do all these things that I've done without having to talk into the camera all the time or put myself in a situation that I'm not necessarily comfortable with mm-hmm. has been incredible. And while it's probably taken the reason why my business has grown slower, I, I'm fine with that. I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it strikes me though as like kind of like taking your own advice because we talked about the women who were saying I can't wear those earrings and you're saying <laughs> you can and then you're going I can't talk on social media I'm not comfortable. So it does speak to that sort of level of a, 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 you know a, you know just not being confident of being able to kind of like do do the things that you need to do whereas your answer to that woman was of course you can you have earlobes I'm I'm looking at you going well of course you can you you're you're, you're great chatterbox and of course you can promote yourself on Instagram but equally like I say you know if it isn't something that you're comfortable if it isn't something that you want to do as you say, there are other routes to market. There are other routes to success. Um, and, you know, doing that slowly, slowly approach, it, you know, is definitely something that, you know, you're, I, I'm seeing your, I'm seeing your, your, your jewelry on, you know, Helen Steele, the fashion kind of collaboration that you did, you know, Celia Home and Lee, we've got on the cover of Irish Country Magazine, um, which is, which will be on sale by the time this podcast airs. Amazing. Um, uh, and I, I saw her recently wearing, but like, you know, you're, you're, the product is getting into the kind of the right hands, it's sort of at the right time with the cool collaborations and they're standing up on their own. Now, I don't know, maybe because I'm like, oh my God, I recognize, and when I, when I'm out and about and I see people wearing, I'm like, like, oh, I, you know, it's like, yeah. like a little club. I'm like, oh, God, he's right on me. We're part of this amazing exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the collaborations, how was all of that? How, how has all of that happened? Again, is it just like, just connections, network, right place, yeah. right time? Right place, right time and it's connections and uh, stylists that I have relationships with um, and people that I've just been very lucky to kind of cultivate a relationship with. Again, through PR and through having worked in magazines and it's all a stepping stone, like all of these things, whether they were failures or successes, working in magazines, working in PR, working with other Irish brands working with stylists has all built the blocks for me to get Ivory to where it is to create Ivory and then to get it onto shoots with Helen Steele so 
Helen Steele's, um, her last shoot, uh, my earrings were used, me and a couple of other designers. And I mean, that's everywhere. Helen is amazing at promoting her work. She's got an amazing team behind her social media and the photo shoot is stunning and the pictures are, you know, circulating and the videos are circulating and I'm able to use them and shout about it, which I actually need to do. It reminds me I need to do another post on, on that Helen Steele collaboration. But it's... um. Yeah, so it's it's gotten into the right hands. And again, it's going back to without me having to come on camera and shout and show my show parts of my maybe my personality that I just it's just not for me. It's just not my thing to do. Um, I'm able to to grow the business and get it into the right hands and also get it again, it goes back to being selective about where it is. If I hadn't been selective about what shops I wanted to go into, I wouldn't have gotten into the National Gallery. If I was just throwing my jewellery in anywhere, I wouldn't have gotten into the National Gallery. I wouldn't have gotten to work with Helen Steele. I I, I feel like going at that slower pace and being a, a little bit more picky and um, has, has gotten me into the right hands and, and gotten me to collaborate with people that I hugely admire. I mean, Helen is like, wow, like her stuff is amazing. Her work's amazing. Her art is amazing. Her fashion is amazing she's a lovely person she's extremely stylish she would be up there with your Roshi Murphys of the cool cool women you know mm. so yeah it just got into the right hands and it's not even that I feel like I can't um, go on social media I, I think years ago I would have thought that oh I can't go on camera it's a bit cringe I don't think that anymore it's just that I choose not to yeah. and maybe someday I will choose to but I just feel like um I don't need to give away everything in order for this to be successful there are women that are businesses are based on their personality and they do it so well and um you would my friends like you and other friends of mine are they're like Maeve like you're so chatty and funny like why don't you go on social media and like you know be your wacky self I'm like I'm like really don't use the word wacky I'm like I hate that but I'm like I just don't want to you know what I mean like I just choose to not put it all out there. Yeah. You know, well, like me. I say, we're going to be in the Irish Made Awards next week with 300, you know, people, their biggest awards yet. And there are 16 categories. There was about eight um, nominees in each category. So that's a, a hell of a lot of businesses. So something like 130 Irish businesses. We had way more even enter the awards. And they are these, you know, incredible Irish, mostly women, but a lot of men there as well, um, who had an idea who had the bravery to kind of follow through on that idea um, and who had the tenacity and the resilience to take those risks and to bring a product to market and, you know, see themselves as, as nominated. And there is a very big mix of people in that room. There are people who are hugely successful and you will have never heard their name. You'll have never seen their face. You don't know what they look like. And yet they've managed to, you know, bring their product to market and promote their product and you know it's okay you know we don't all have to follow this sort of mode that we see on social media to think that in order for us to be successful we have to be a certain way I think there is a, a place for everybody and there is an opportunity and a route to market for everyone to be successful in their own in their own way and um, and you know I we've talked an awful lot about your earrings but there is more in your collection right uh in you yes rings i have here uh which i'm launching new colors of these actually because the um and this is like again trial and error when you're working with materials because the 
the mirror is amazing on your earrings and it, it manages to stay perfect. But when it's in ring form, the mirror can get scuffed quite easily because you're washing your hands and you're using your hands a bit more. So now I'm going to be doing the rings in like non-mirror style because they it's more durable and um, in like in like matte perspex, if you get me. And then I have bracelets. I have um I, I, I launched a charm bracelet last year. It's like based on the Clada design, and I try and source um I'm currently trying to source more for Christmas. I try to source vintage charm bracelets to go with the charm because I'm a huge uh, vintage fan, both clothes, jewellery, everything. And I collect vintage charm bracelets and I want to bring that old and modern um, style together. So I have those and then I have necklaces and then I'm launching. I launched my um, second collection, um, Schiaparelli in the Sea, during the summer. But a lot of that stuff would be quite seasonal. It's quite summery. It's like clay, shell-based kind of designs. So I only launched a small collection, a small few pieces in that, and I'll launch more again in the spring of next year for that collection. Amazing. And then I'm working on a collection based on music. Um, wow. Musical icons that I love. I'm not sure will I have it ready for Christmas, maybe maybe next year. But I music is a big part of my life. I'm constantly listening to music i was actually laughing when i was listening to your and phoebe's um and phoebe is a friend of mine as well and from forager and i was listening to your podcast and you were both saying that you never wear ear pods that you're out listening to nature and i was like oh my god the two of them would kill me i forever have my ear pods in like I, I might turn them off when i'm at the beach and listen to the sea but apart from that if i'm not watching television i have ear pods in constantly listening to music i just cannot go for a walk i cannot do anything without listening to music so I was like, okay, if it's such a big part of my life, I need to, I'd like to base a collection on that. So that's kind of in the works as well. Amazing. And where, where can people buy them? I know I was recently in Omdiva. I saw them there. Where else are they? How many places or locations are they? Because I mean, is it mostly, you don't do markets really apart from gifted or things like that. No. So it's like a select stores and then online. But where, where, where can people kind of see them and try them on? Because they are, they are, they are such, they are, you know, earrings that you kind of want to touch and feel. They're tangible as well, you know, rather than, yeah. So where, where can people see them? Yeah, that's why the plan is to go into more shops and, and to go outside of Ireland as well in the next 12 months because I just feel like they're definitely something you need to pick up because most people, especially when I meet them at events, they lift them up and they're like, oh my God, they're so light. They're light mm -hmm. as feather, but because they're so big, everybody presumes that they're really heavy and they're not. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely something you have to touch, I think. And and obviously as well, people want to want to put them up against their neck. It, like for the ones you're wearing, for example, mm. some people are like, okay, maybe I have to have a long neck to wear those big statement ones. So they like to try them on. Um, so definitely a tangible product. But uh, I'm in Omdiva. I'm in the National Gallery. I'm in the Coach House in Dingle. I'm in Wink and Elbow um, in uh, Dungarvan in Washford. I am in uh, Wrapped Up in Belfast and in Derry. I'm in the Glucksman in Cork, the Glucksman Gallery, which is another beautiful gallery. And I'm in Marlene and Co in Limerick. Wow, fab. So real, yeah. like lots of lots of places around the country. And around the country. And then obviously blondestore.com is where you can buy them online. Yeah. And what's the plan? Any, what are your, like, so obviously you've, you mentioned those collections. Do you have kind of aspirations or plans or, you know, dreams <laughs> to kind of take them? You know, you mentioned the tourists love, love the Ray earrings. And, you know, is there a plan to sort of take it globally or what, what, what would you love to do in terms of going into the future with the, with the product? 
Uh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I have some, made some contacts and approached some sh- sh- um, shops and gallery shops in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plan would be hopefully in the next 12 months to get somewhere, whether it be, I don't know, UK or, or Germany or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And I have um, spoken to the team at National Gallery and they've just given me, a, a, you know, some ideas and said, mm-hmm. OK, well, these are where our tourists are coming from and this, these are the people that like it. So when I heard that the tourists um, coming into the National Gallery liked it, I was like, OK, well, this is there's an appetite for it outside of Ireland and look at the end of the day anyone who's in business will tell you um, Ireland is only so big you know what I mean it's it's it, like we're a small country and in that small country you only have a small percentage who are going to want to wear your earrings who are going to want to buy your product or wear your jewellery who are going to have the confidence as we've said to wear it so this can't be your pool forever you know what I mean you have to try and branch out a little bit but I suppose it's look um, cultivating those relationships and, and trying to hustle and, and get those contacts and get in there and that's the plan for me for the next 12 months oh my god amazing and I suppose it is about, as well getting it into the hands of the stylists over there getting it into the, the magazines over there getting people to see it and talk about it and you know be intrigued by it and then kind of you know uh, um, make it av- make it available um, for anyone who's interested so Blonde, Blonde the store how much of the how much of the earrings what what what, what co- cost are people um, well I obviously I know but tell me t- tell tell the listeners what they can expect if they were to go online to try and buy price points I try and keep them pretty pretty reasonable I mean like I mean I think the cheapest pair of earrings is about 40 euros and then it goes up to 65 70 somewhere 65 I think are the ones you're wearing um so yeah I try and keep it like at the end of the day it's 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 an independent brand it's designed and made by somebody it's it takes time there's overheads um, but you want to, and, and like for me, 65 euro for a pair of earrings, some people might be like, oh my God, I mean, I could go into pennies and get a pair of earrings for a fiver. Like, but that's not the point. And I think that's where the whole Irish design and the person behind the brand and who who's building the brand and what they're doing is important. So like, as you mentioned, my 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 models on, on Instagram, like Sue Prickett, who's just this absolutely stunning woman, stunning model um, from Mead. And she um, she was in my first shoot, my friend Patrick. I wanted to use these uh, kind of, um, you know, models that you don't see in every every campaign. Uh, you know, a woman in her 70s, who's, I think Sue started modeling when she turned 70, uh, and Patrick, a man wearing jewelry. And I just wanted to do something different. And when you look at the photography and you look at the packaging and you look at the work that goes behind it, to me, then 65 euros doesn't sound very expensive for um, a pair of earrings. And, and obviously there's cheaper ones than that as well. But um, yeah, I mean, you're buying, like you say, you're buying into something and you feel like if something makes you feel amazing and you can afford then go for it well this is it what I'm saying is like you know if you can't afford the designer dress but you have a plain black dress you put on the designer earrings exactly. it creates and and it elevates the idea for you it makes you just feel a little bit more special than if you were wearing your five euro pennies earrings which you know and like that's that's the difference really it's like it's affordable designer wear right it's yeah. kind of like how I how I see it exactly. um, <clears throat> um Amazing. And just, I mean, because obviously this is about solo powered. So, you know, just about your your process as well, because obviously it's, it's I'd imagine it's a very solo endeavor sitting in your studio creating this. I mean, how much time are you spending, you know, in your studio creating these amazing works of art? Um, I suppose it depends on the time of year, really. Uh, like for me, summer 
PR wise which is my day job summer is very quiet and um, PR like we know that in media it's the same in magazines it's like silly season it's silly season used to be August it's now July and August mm-hmm. so I like try and pack in as much as I can into the summer of like meeting friends going to festivals going to music gigs I'm like have my, I live my best life in the summer and then September to December is I batten down the hatches uh, because that's my busiest time of year both for PR and making jewellery because you're coming into Christmas all my clients want Christmas PR I obviously have to make the jewellery for stockists and for online and um, also it's winter and I hate going out in the winter so um, it, once the evenings get dark I'm like no I'm not going anywhere uh, so yeah so I'm coming into my busy season now so it will be a lot of time in the studio but the fact that I work I suppose I've been working for myself on and off for a really, really long time. And, you know, apart from stints in companies like Irish Country Magazine and different places, um, I've worked on my own a lot. So working on my own, doing Ray and making jewellery, it's, it's, it's very daunting for me because I've worked on my own for quite some time over the years. And it is lonely. I will definitely say that there's times it's lonely because you don't have work colleagues and you don't have Christmas parties and you don't have summer parties and you don't have all those things. But then you have to weigh up the the pros and the cons. And, and I suppose getting to call your own time, getting to take a bit of time off in the summer, getting to be in a studio doing something creative that you love. I mean, I'm unbelievably lucky to get to do that. There's a lot of people that wake up in the morning in dread going into an office and I, I've been that soldier. And when I look back on years ago, when I used to get up with like high functioning anxiety and going to these jobs, I now look at where I'm at and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And how many laser, with the laser cut, how many earrings can you produce in a day? Like how does that, like, as this? Uh, I suppose once I get the pieces, once I get the laser cut sheets, I mean, I could make, if I was, if I really put my head down and my fingers were not absolutely killing me, I could probably make about 30 pairs, okay. 20, 20 to 30 pairs in a day. Okay. And I'm yeah. sorry because I love, I love even the offcuts because you, at the end, you have the, 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 the sheet of plastic, the, the sheet of mirrored perspex with the earrings cut out of it. And I'm like, if you could like create that, like that in some sort of like resin and like sell them as shopping boards or like display boards that you could put your cheeses and your charcuteries on, like I would be like, I would, I want them please as well. You know? Yes. Absolutely. Like there, I'm a great woman for procrastinating. So I've all these also, I love them. People, people look at people that are self-employed and have businesses and they're online. They're like, oh my God, she's like, must be so busy. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm, if there was an award for procrastination, I would also get that. So all these plans for those off cuts. Now I do use them at events. So I use them at gifted and I use them, I'll be doing showcase in January. So they kind of make up parts of the display um, on my stands and they look very cool. So I have loads of plans to do things with them. So watch this space. And you've now, now that I've said it on the podcast, I have to do something. Yes, with that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd love to do some sort of an installation or some way to use them um, where they're being, you know, function. And again, that goes down to, comes down to sustainability. It's about, I try and keep all the offcuts because I'm like, someday I'm going to do something with them. Um, and I want to, like, I actually have started working with clay and I've made a vase well, with clay and I put some of the offcuts onto that. So I'm going to try and I'm working to kind of perfect them at the moment to hopefully sell them. So it's kind of like an interior, a little bit of a side to the Avery designs. So um, using those offcuts, as I say, in a sustainable way, not letting them go to waste, finding a way to use them because they're gorgeous. I mean, they're, 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 so they're gorgeous. fabulous. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very, very. Yeah, and I love them as well. I keep seeing them on your in socials and I'm like, I want them as well. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, look, and, and again, it is when you're when you were self-employed, like I was the same, you know, I, I have a million ideas all the time, constantly, you know, maybe I should put ear put ear pods into my ear because as I'm walking around, I'm like, oh, another idea, another idea. It's like, you know, just kind of constantly like a, like a child running after bubbles and, you know, but it's, it's 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 really hard to just have the time to do everything and to do everything I mean even with the podcast I, I need to do better marketing I need to do better videos I need to do you know the fact that it got nominated for an award now I'm like Please, I was just about to say your congratulations your award thank you and like but for me like you were saying you know it, it's a this is a passion project it's a hobby it's something that I'm, I love doing and you know I get I have great guests and it's brilliant and you know I, I haven't really I haven't gone to market to try and get it sponsored you know I kind of want to just keep it for me and you know maybe and maybe in the future I, I I will but you know it's just hard to find the time to do everything isn't it and when you yeah. have all these ideas and all of these things there's more and more and more that you can do and when you're a one-person operation trying to do everything um it can be a little bit slower as you say right it, it's not I'm not going to say it's difficult because we don't have to be putting ourselves into these positions we don't have to be having all of these ideas we don't have to do anything but when it's so good you're like of course I want you know you want to um but yeah listen that we will watch absolutely watch this space and um I am very excited to party with you on Thursday the podcast this podcast will be will be going out after the award so um I'm sure we'll have hangovers and sore heads and and, and and all of those things will be well gone by the time this podcast airs and um, wish you the very best of luck with the awards. It's going to be a very fun evening. Um, and I'm really, really glad that you agreed to come on the podcast. Your very first podcast, you're like a professional, a pro. It seems like you've done this a million times before. No doubt you'll be getting calls left, right and centre now from all the podcast hosts on there to have you on as their guests as well. So I'm glad I had you first. Um, created a monster they'll never shut me up now (laughs) exactly Um, but thank you so much and yeah as as I say for anyone who wants to find you um, Blonde the Store Eve Ray is on Instagram as well Eve Ray yeah Eve Ray Designs on Instagram and then online on BlondeStore.com but I will be creating an Eve Ray Designs uh, website over the next um, probably six months I'm working on that at the moment Uh, it's own exclusive website so uh, but for now, you can get them at blondestore.com or the shops that I mentioned and follow Eve Ray Designs on Instagram. And thank you so much for inviting me on. When you first asked me, I was like, why does she want me to come on? <laughs> and now we've had like tons of things to talk about. Oh, I mean, good. We could sit here for another hour. Oh, so thank you. Absolutely good. We absolutely I so appreciate it. I have to get you back on when you're, uh, when you're, you know, stunning designs and vases and all art installations are in the V&A and all of that kind of thing. <laughs> and you're you're over in the, the Guggenheim or whatnot we'll have to we'll have to get you back on at some point in the future when I'm gone global yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a million um thank you so so much it's been so so lovely to have you on and to, to my pleasure thank you so much Ariana.